0: So, uh, I lost my voice. I was in Atlanta a few days ago. <clears throat> uh, I spoke at a conference on Friday. So, Thursday, I was driving down, perfect, awesome. I was knocking out a couple meetings uh, over the phone, cause it's like a four hour drive, uh, get to the hotel, and I'm like, well, my voice doesn't sound too good. Sleep, go to bed early, wake up in the morning, So I just, I've kind of been in hibernation and solitude in forced solitude and silence. Uh, But yeah, even today, even yesterday, all day, my kids were like, what did you say? What did you say? And I just started pointing to mom. (laughs) It's like, like, go talk to mom. Uh, But you know what? Praise the Lord. Uh, There's a lot of people, I know as a church family, you've been praying for me as well and I mean, it's this morning I preached at Mount Juliet and my voice came through like this and it's, it's, you know, it's, it's really a God thing that I can actually even talk like this because I couldn't talk like this. Praise the Lord. Um, I couldn't even talk like this like two hours ago. So God is, uh, God is good. He's really good. All right. So we're doing, we're continuing our sermon series on questions and, uh, we're on week four. Week one, I talked about what does it look like to deal with repentance Week two talked about whether anxiety was a sin, right? Chad Childress spoke to us. Week three, Justin Lett. last week talked about where do we draw the line on trust. And today, we're going to be talking about waiting, right? I am waiting. Here's the question. If I don't hear God say no, does that mean he said yes? What do we do when we're waiting? Now, if if you missed any of those messages, you can go to thefellowship.cc and watch the previous ones. Uh, and also, if you're not on, Fa- if you haven't seen the Facebook videos pop up, uh, go to our Facebook page because Scott, uh, campus pastor here, Len, who's the campus pastor at Mount Juliet, and Aaron Loy, our worship pastor, the three of them have been talking about uh, some of the questions that we can't get to on Sunday, All right? And it's about five to ten minutes long. They're really, really good. So be sure to check those out. There are three that are posted right now. Number one, how teenagers can effectively share their faith with their classmates and friends. Number two, why does it seem like God doesn't answer our prayers as fast as we would like it to happen? And number three, how do I share my faith with others? Right, so those are all posted online, and I hope you can take advantage of those resources this coming week. All right, let's pray. Lord, here we are with our answered and unanswered prayer requests, here we are. Lord, as we've worshiped, as we've come before you, Lord, we lay it all down. And we know that you are living, alive, true, all knowing and all powerful. And God, we just ask that you would meet us where we're at today. Speak to us through your word. In Jesus name we pray, amen. All right. There's a lot that the scriptures say about waiting. Right, waiting. We 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 all know what waiting looks like. Right? And whether it means you've been waiting for God to answer your prayer for a year, a month, a week, or 10 years. We all know what it looks like to wait. And when you look through the scriptures, the scriptures also say a lot about waiting. Right, Noah, when he was in the ark, what did he do? He waited. When the Israelites, when God was giving Moses the Ten Commandments, and the Israelites were waiting, what did the Israelites do? They waited. When Samuel anointed David to be king, yet Saul was still on the throne. What did David do? He waited. When Simeon and Anna, and I love this, love this, they waited their entire life. They were old, but they waited their entire life praying and waiting to see the Messiah. And they were able to hold Jesus as an infant in their arms. The disciples waited for the Holy Spirit to arrive after Jesus was resurrected from the dead. And Paul, he awaited his judgment to answer today 's question, there are so many passages that we can go and look at to try to understand what it looks like to wait and that 's the beautiful thing about the scriptures now, While I may not be able to answer every nuance and question that you may have and, and that we might not be able to do that through this series, the beautiful thing about the scriptures is that God has spoken. And that he is still speaking to us through his word. So, so if you have questions that are unanswered, questions that you are still wrestling with and you are waiting on the Lord for, don't pick up a book. Do that secondarily. Number one, pick up the word of God. At the end of the word, at the end of the most Bibles, there's helps. So you can say waiting or, you know, this and look at all the verses that come up. Google is awesome, <laughs> right? It's so powerful. You could even go to like a website like Bible Gateway and just search waiting. Actually, I did that this week. I was like, oh, Lord, what am I supposed to, what, what passage? I have the question, but what passage am I supposed to look at? And I went to Bible Gateway. I literally actually went to Bible Gateway and I looked up waiting and like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of verses came up. And personally, I got side, it was like, you know, chasing the rabbit, because I just personally was like, hey man, you know, I just kept on reading. It's like, that is awesome. And I clicked it, and I looked at the whole chapter, and I'm like, wait, wait, wait a second, I need to figure out what verse uh, we need to look at today. But we're, we have so much at, at the tip of our fingers. And God has spoken about 99% of the things that we are asking. You know, there's some of those gray areas that, you know, we might need some interpretation on but let's go to the word first and foremost, right? So as I was praying this week, as I was looking through and I was trying to figure out, Lord, where are we supposed to camp out at? Psalm 13 popped up. So let's all turn to Psalm 13. And you know, my voice is like this. So uh, instead of me reading it out, let's actually all read it out together. All right, so let's get Psalm 13 on the screen. And I'll start us off, and let's just read it together, all right? Uh, This is from the CSB, the Christian Standard Bible. Let's read this. How long, Lord... What does this passage have to do with waiting and discerning God's will? I love this because what we're going to read here, what we just read and what we're going to dig through is one of the arcs of waiting and the arcs of prayer that we often uh, actually have to work through and wrestle through. All right, so verse one, let's get started here. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? When we are answering, when we are waiting for God to answer our heart's cry, right? When we are waiting for God to answer our prayer requests, our petitions, not talking about like, you know, you're driving and you're like, Lord, help me find a good, good parking spot. Right? I'm not talking about those types of prayers. I'm not talking about the prayer like, you know, it's, it's 10 a.m. You're, you're like driving up to Chick-fil-A and you're like, Lord, please help there be a chicken biscuit left. I know it's lunchtime, but please help there be a chicken biscuit left. And I was there, right? I was there two weeks ago, all right? And I was like, please help there be a chicken biscuit left. And there was, there was one left. I was like, hallelujah. (laughs) All right, I'm not talking about those type of prayers. You can bring those prayers to God. That's fine, because we need to, we need to learn how to bring every, we, we err on the side of not bringing her enough to the Lord than bringing too much to the Lord. So it's always better to bring everything and more. Right, but what we're talking about here, David's Chick-fil-A did not exist when David was writing the psalm. David was, he was he was talking about like this deep, you know, those prayer requests that you've been bringing before the Lord for the last 10 years. Maybe it's a loved one. Maybe it's a family member that's walked away from the Lord. A child that has turned their back on God. All right, maybe it's a neighbor or a, co- or a coworker or yourself, or, or someone around you that's, that has cancer, or that someone that has recently passed away. And we have these prayers that we bring before the Lord, right? These ones that are just like, you know, we read about it in the Word. It's like you can't even at times verbalize it, right? It's just a groan, right? It's just this heavy burden. It's like, God, how much longer, right? This is what we're talking about. And when we, when we bring those before the Lord and, and we're met with silence, what does it feel like? It feels like God's forgotten us, right? Now, you may never say, Lord, you've forgotten me. You might. But what David said here is bold. He's like, how long will you forget me? And will you forget me forever? When we come before the Lord and we're met with silence, we feel like God has forgotten us, and I wonder if the reason we feel like God has forgotten us is because we associate waiting with forgetfulness, right? Doesn't this ever happen? Have you ever uh, been on a <coughs> Have you ever been stood up on a date <clears throat> and you were waiting, you're waiting, 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 and what, you, you're you felt like you were forgotten, right? Or have you ever gone to a meeting and and or an appointment and you're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting and the other person's like, oh, I was caught in traffic but it kind of feels like you, you're forgotten or maybe as a child right, all the other kids were picked up and you were just all by yourself and the teacher, just you and the teacher and you're just waiting, right I'm not talking, you know, I, I don't know what that's about <laughs> actually no, that is, actually I have personally experience that and it's horrible, alright uh, so parents be on time Uh <laughs> Right? It's, it's, it's really bad. And it feels like you were forgotten, right? Any, anyone know what I'm talking about recently? Yeah, there you go. Um, when God doesn't answer our prayers in our timing, right, in our timing, it feels like God's forgotten us, right? Sometimes it feels like we're disappear- that we've disappeared or that maybe, maybe God's off busy doing something more important. Our reaction or our attitude while waiting, here's the thing, when we're waiting... You know, all the things that we begin thinking about, all the things that begin swirling around in our heads, even when we're waiting on the Lord and we're waiting, waiting, all the things that happen in that moment, that actually speaks more about us than it does about God. It's like, think about it, when Hunter was leading worship, I mean, I've been a part of churches where, uh, you know, it's like, you really do say bless your heart when they're singing. Uh, because it's like they're 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 just like they're just giving their all, right? You know they really are giving their all, and they're just not hitting the notes. You know what I'm talking about, right? And it's distracting. Right? It's really distracting. Now praise the Lord that we don't have to do like we are. So, it is so good to be a part of a church family with such gifted and talent. Let's give a hand to our worship, our worship team. Right? It's such a gift. It's such an honor to be a part of a family like this. Right? So when you're worshiping, even today, when you're worshiping and you're like, Oh, you know, you know, I give thanks to you, God. And, and, then, and then you're like, what am I supposed to eat for lunch? And, you know, all the, all the different thoughts that come in your mind. It's not because of Hunter. Right? It's not because of our worship team. It's actually because of what's going on inside of us. Or you're worshiping and, and you begin, like you get a buzz in your pocket or you begin thinking, oh, what am I supposed to do in my meeting tomorrow? Or, or what am I supposed to do here? Or, or you know, this. And, and all these thoughts, anyone know what I'm talking about? When you're worshiping, all these thoughts, all these distractions come up. That's actually not really about God. All those distractions are not about the worship team. Those distractions are all really more about you and what's going on in your heart. And the same goes with waiting. When we are waiting on the Lord, everything that goes on in our mind and our hearts actually speaks more about us than it does about God. And throughout this psalm, we'll see this. David, will, his heart will shift from a me focus to a God focus. All right, so let's look at verse 2 as we continue to dig through this. How long will I store up anxious concerns within me? Agony in my mind every day. How long will my enemy dominate me? If we connect waiting with forgetfulness, you know what the natural result is in our hearts? Worry, right? It's anxiety, in other words if you've ever felt like the reason you're waiting is because God has forgotten you the natural what actually happens is you just begin worrying and what happens when you worry what do you personally do when your heart is full of anxiety are you one of those people who you know you you just take everything into your own you're like oh things aren't happening i better i better schedule some meetings i better make some phone calls i better you know what what do you do if, you, <coughs> if you're a parent and your, your teenager hasn't come in. they haven't come when, they've di- when they were supposed to come, right? And you're texting them, and you're calling them and they're not picking up. And you're, what do you do? Your, your heart is full of worry, right? Because you, where does your mind go? Oh, they've gone to a car accident, or, they, or they, it always goes to the worst, right? Right? Or maybe something happened here or something. And it's just what, what do you do in those situations when you're waiting? Do you go and call your kids' friends? Do you go out, pick up your car keys, start driving around? Do you call here, do you go? Where do you go? What do you do when you're waiting? Or or are you paralyzed with fear? And instead of acting, there's inaction and you just don't know what to do. Teenagers, that's why you gotta call your parents. If you're gonna miss your curfew, (laughs) I'm serious, if you're gonna miss your curfew, just text. Better to text than not text um, because, you know, I've just given you a glimpse into the worry that happens. Anxiety and worry, and this is what happens, right? Anxiety and worry is a powerful tool that the enemy uses. Here we go. Here we go. Anxiety and worry is a powerful tool that the enemy uses to crowd out the voice of God. When we choose to worry, we crowd out the voice of God. The enemy uses that to crowd out his wisdom, his direction, his guidance. And what happens when you're full of worry and anxiety? Everything goes out the window, right? We allow in those moments when we choose to worry, when we are waiting and our response is worrying, we choose to allow, I mean, we allow the enemy to dominate us when we choose to worry. When we choose to worry, we allow the enemy to hold us down, to clip our wings, to neuter us, so that all we do is worry and we kind of walk down that never-ending spiral of self-pity. But as we see in this verse, worrying is a choice that we make, right? Look at this verse too, how long will I store up anxious concerns? I wonder if sometimes we end up waiting longer than God wants us to wait, right? We're, we're praying, we're, we're bringing our prayer requests to the Lord, right, whatever those might be. And I know we all have them today. We're bringing them before the Lord. And I wonder if God wants to answer us and God wants to, wants to, wants to give us an answer and, and bring us to that next step. I wonder if God wants us to do that But the reason we end up waiting longer than we have to is because we filled our ears with cotton balls of worry. And God wants to speak, but we can't hear him because our response is worry. Verse three here, it's a transition point for David. And we see in this verse, you know when you've you've just prayed and, and there's just nothing else that can come out and you just don't know what else to do? That's verse three here. David has come to his wit's end. Let's look at it. Consider me an answer, Lord my God. Restore brightness to my eyes. Otherwise, I will sleep in death. Do you ever get to the point at work, life, parenting, or marriage, where you've come to terms and recognize that since you're not getting the results that you want, that that something needs to change? David recognizes here in this verse that perhaps there's something wrong with his eyes, right? He's not talking about getting glasses. He's not talking about his physical eyes. He's talking about where his eyes and his attention is focusing in on. Is he focusing in on himself as we see in verse one and two or is he gonna make the transition to verse five and six, right? And this Verse and verse 3 is something that we often, it's a situation that we often actually find ourselves in. Right? We come to our wits and we don't know what the solution is. So instead of trying to get all the answers and figure it out before, you know, figure it out, because we've tried to do that, in verse 3, we see that David has come and he's just said, Lord, my God. Right? He says it. He, he's. If you look, you know, chapter 12, help Lord, right? Other times, chapter 14, God, right? And and sometimes he says, Lord God, right? You look through David and how he prays. He says, Lord, he says, God. Sometimes he says, Lord God. But in this, you see his desperation because he's saying, Lord, my God. If he was texting God, this is how he would text him, right? It'd be like, Lord, dot, 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 My God, you know what I'm talking about? Like, it's just, it's this, it's this, I want to say it, but I just don't know what to say, God. So I'm just going to cry out. It's that gut, Lord, my God. David is at his wit's end. It's an intimate, it's intimate, it's a desperate call. This call here is not a, God, I think you're there. Or, God, you might have done something in someone else's life, but I don't know if you've done anything in my life. No, no, no. This is, God, I know you're faithful. I know you're alive. I know you're true. I know you're active. So, Lord, my God, what is happening right now? In these moments, when we turn to God and we submit our lives to him, this happens all the time. Verse 4 happens the enemy will come and try to attack us. This here is a cycle. It's a cycle that (coughs) we have an issue, right? Verse one and two, we have prayers that have gone unanswered. We're waiting. Verse three, we're bringing the prayers before the Lord and we're saying, Lord, help me you begin to do searching you know you you open up the scriptures you you hear god speak through worship or through a message and right and, and you're saying lord okay yes I, I understand lord that you are real that you are alive that you want to answer lord my god and and you're you're about to turn and you're about to place your eyes on the lord and then inevitably verse 4 happens All right verse 4 my enemy will say I have triumphed over him and my foes will will rejoice because I am shaken. The enemy in these moments when we turn the corner and we turn our eyes away from ourselves and to the Lord and we turn from self-pity and worry and doubt to the scriptures and we see God speak and we begin to see our eyes open, the enemy will come and try to attack us. And he will begin to say, hey, actually, actually, hey, 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 don't go to verse 5 and 6. Hey, the enemy comes in verse 4 and he says, hey, hey, go back to verse 1. And in these moments when we're about to turn the corner, the enemy begins to shoot his flaming arrows. Temptation will always be here. The enemy will always want to attack. And he will say, hey, turn your eyes. But look, but look, God hasn't answered you, but look. It's been five years. God's not gonna answer you now. But look, that person prayed, that person's holier than you, and they didn't get an answer. Why do you think God's gonna answer you? Anyone has anyone heard the lies from the enemy that say that? And that's what happens. We hear God speak. We read the word. We hear and speak here, and then we walk out the door, and the enemy starts shooting arrows, and he starts trying to. He, he brings us back to verse one. He brings us back to verse one. He even says, "I have triumphed over him," even though he hasn't yet triumphed. Satan's like, "Oh, forget it. I've triumphed over him. I know what's going to happen. He's done it before. I've seen him in this situation." She's just going to go back to the way it used to be. It's not going to last. And the enemy speaks these lies and he brings us back to verse one and to verse two. And that's why, that's why verse five and six matter so much. And that's why I love this Psalm. All right? Because verse five and six help us say, yes, while in verse four, the enemy is going to attack, while we know the moment we walk out these doors that the enemy will attack. We know that. That's a given. That's his nature. He doesn't change. Right? But praise God that we follow and we worship someone who is stronger than God. Sorry. Whoa. (laughs) Rewind. Someone who is stronger than the evil one. That's a bad mistake to make. scripture, right? Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, right? That while we know that the enemy will still attack the way he does, we know that God is stronger, that God is greater, that God is sufficient, and that there's something called a verse five and six in this passage, So on a daily basis, moment by moment, we need to do, because the enemy is gonna attack, in a daily basis, moment by moment, we need to do what it says in verse five and six. Verse five. But I have trusted in your faithful love, right? My heart will rejoice in your deliverance. What does it mean to trust in God's faithful love? Now, okay, I don't typically do this because... While I did go to seminary and did do Hebrew and Greek, it's not that good. Uh, so I don't want to give I don't ever want to give this impression that, that you need to know Hebrew and Greek to be able to study the Word of God. You don't. There's a lot of different translations. And honestly, just open up, you know. I have the CSB, open up, you know, the ESV, open up the message, just open up a few different verses, a few different translations, and you're gonna see the original meaning when you begin comparing a few of the different English translations. If you're doing a specific study on a verse, just don't worry about the Greek, don't worry about the Hebrew, just open up several different translations. I don't ever want to make the Word of God feel like it's inaccessible, because it is accessible, and we have really good English translations now, all right? But I did want to teach you a Hebrew word. And I wanted to teach you this Hebrew word because there are, it comes up hundreds and hundreds of times in the scriptures. And you know what's great? Because my voice is the way it is, it's gonna sound even better, <laughs> right? Because Hebrew is like, it's guttural, right? It's like, okay, so try to repeat after me, okay? It's, I'm gonna spell it out, H-E-S-E-D. Okay, it's H-E-S-E-D. In Hebrew, they say chesed. Can you say that? Chesed. Chesed. That's great. Okay, awesome. At Mount Juliet, when we did that, someone sounded super evil. <laughs> it's like, or something like So I'm glad we didn't go to there. But, you know, it's chesed. All right, let's just say it one more time. Chesed. So when we say the word chesed, chesed, all right, verse, four, we, uh, verse five, I've trusted in your chesed. I've trusted in your faithful love. Chesed in Hebrew is, you know, it's goodness, kindness. It's translated as devotion, faithfulness, loving kindness, righteousness, loyal, unchanging love, right? Chesed, this word chesed comes up time and time again in the scriptures to describe God's loving kindness. To describe his everlasting love, to describe the love that he pours out on us when we're waiting, when we're waiting in those moments of silence, when we're waiting on God to answer, when we've been waiting for years, or for minutes that sometimes feel like years. God responds in those moments with Chesed. Remember? the reason it's so important is because if you just do a word study in the scriptures and just look up all the times the word loving kindness, steadfast love, uh, faithful love, that come, you know, in English, all the times that that comes up in the scriptures, you'll see throughout, you'll, I mean, I encourage you to do that this week. Do a word study on loving kindness or steadfast love. Because you'll see that God is faithful. He was faithful. He is faithful, and he will continue to be faithful, regardless of what happens in your waiting. I'm going to share a couple of these uh, verses here, where loving kindness is translated in a different way. All right. So, Psalm 3, um, Genesis 19:19, 19, 19, uh, great kindness. Right. We have this great kindness. So that's Genesis 19:19. 19, 19. So that's. Chesed. Exodus 15 13. Faithful love. Right? With your faithful love. That's chesed. Isaiah 54, 10. Though the mountains move and the hills shake, my love, that's chesed, will not be removed from you. Isaiah 63, 7. I will make known the Lord's chesed and the Lord's praiseworthy acts. Right? Psalm 31, 7. I will rejoice and be glad in your chesed. You know the troubles of my soul. You know Psalm 136. Oh, we don't have it on the screens, but Psalm 136, it's that one where it says, Give thanks to the Lord for He is good. Right? There's a there's a Chris Tomlin song. Like he's like written songs and everything. Uh but it's like, give thanks to the Lord for He is good. You know, His love endures forever, right? that was a response where the Hebrews would actually say, you know, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. And they would say, chesed. Right? They would just keep on saying chesed. Because not only is it, when you say God, not only is that worship to the Lord, but it's, you know, speaking the gospel to ourselves. In the midst of my doubting, chesed. In the midst of what God might not be doing right now, chesed, because he has acted and he will act. Do you see that? Do you see the powerful, the, just what is in that steadfast love? God's love, his everlasting love is steadfast, it's unchanging, it's chesed. And it's so important for us to remember that when we are waiting. So in verse 5, when we are waiting, what does it look like for our hearts to rejoice in God's deliverance? Right, so in verse 5, Not only is David praising God and trusting God for what he's done in the past, he is saying, my heart will rejoice not only in my current deliverance, in my past deliverance, but in my future deliverance. He is believing and trusting in God as he turns his eyes to him. So verse 1 and 2 happen. David feels forgotten. We feel forgotten when, answered, when our prayers are not answered. Verse 3, we come before the Lord and we're like, God, here I am. What am I supposed to do? Verse 4 is that turning point where Satan begin, tries to shift our eyes back to ourselves rather than to God. But if we respond in verse 5 and in verse 6, we are, instead of responding with self-pity, instead of responding in worry, instead of responding in in doubt, we are choosing to rejoice in the Lord. That's what we need to do. In those moments when we are waiting, we need to choose to rejoice in the Lord. Because here's the thing, all throughout the scriptures, chesed, the reason why chesed is chesed, and I love saying it, the reason that's the case is because whenever the Israelites cried out to God, God always answered. He always answered. Now, you might be saying, oh, but the Israelites were in exile, you know, and they got their land taken away from them, and you got this, right? It's true. Those did happen, but that's because they forsake God. They walked away from God. And what happened when they turned to God, when they cried out to God? God delivered them. Just read the book of Judges, and you're going to see it over and over and over. It's like painful to read the book of Judges, because it's like God delivers them. They praise the Lord and then they forget him. And then they're, you know, they're in captivity. And then they, Israelites cry out to God and God delivers them. Every time we cry out to God, God will always answer. He will always answer and he wants to answer. And if you're waiting right now, he wants to answer. But are your ears plugged with worry? Or are you choosing to respond the way that it says in verse six to respond? Are you choosing to respond with worship? And I wanna invite the worship team up because we're gonna do this. We're actually gonna do what it says in verse six, right? Because we all have prayer requests, right? This isn't a message. This isn't something to store up for next time. You're dealing with something. We all have something we're praying for. We all have something we are struggling with. Maybe it's a, a, a friend, a family member, or someone that you know who is struggling with an illness or sickness or is in the hospital. Maybe it's someone that you know who has walked away from the Lord. Maybe it's habitual sin that you are struggling with. What is it that you are praying for and you are waiting on God for help and deliverance from? right? What is that thing? I want us to lift that to the Lord because it says in verse six, I will sing to the Lord because he has treated me generously. I will sing to the Lord because he has treated me generously. This was an act of faith for David because we know this is Psalm 13 David continued to struggle he continued to have issues of waiting he continued to go through and walk through these instances and David is saying I will not allow the enemy to say I've triumphed over him that's when we walk out today that is what the enemy wants to say more than anything else he's saying hey great great job you listened to a good message I know know it's good yeah but I'm going to triumph over you That is what the enemy wants to do today. Let us not let the enemy win. Let us not let the enemy triumph over us. And the way we stop that is by doing what we're going to do right now, which is worship. Right, because when we are filled with worry, when we are filled and we are waiting on God to answer, the best thing to do is not just to say, Don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. Have you ever tried like telling yourself not to do something? What do you do? You do it. Right by virtue of telling yourself not you can't, it's not behavior modification here. I'm not saying, hey, do this thing and you're gonna fix yourself. This ain't no self-help sermon. Because it doesn't work. Only the Holy Spirit can change us. Only God can transform us. Only God can bring an answer to the prayers that we are waiting for. So if you want God to answer, instead of saying, don't worry, let's worship. That is what David is saying. When you are worrying, when, you're, when your kids are not responding back to your texts, when, you when your relationships are broken, Instead of worrying and trying to do what you naturally would do, worship the Lord. Open up the Word. Look up waiting. What to do? You know, Scripture verses on waiting, and allow God to speak to your heart. Turn on music and worship the Lord. And that's what the psalmist encourages us to do, us to do. And that's what we're going to do right now. Let's place. Our, let's stand up. Let's place our eyes on Him. <laughs> that we are waiting for, let's give that to the Lord and let's allow God to speak to us so that God can say I've won, I'm winning and I'll continue to win get behind me Satan that's what's happening right now, okay so let's worship together as a church